0: To Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder second edition podcast. Hey, welcome to the first ever episode of the Dice Don't Die Deep Dive, and tonight. We're talking about the ever-righteous and holy warriors, the party poopers, known as the champion. I'm Chad, and here with me tonight, we have Beth. Hello. David.
1: Hey,
2: everyone.
0: And Sarah.
2: Hi. So, I was... Looking through some of the Paizo forum posts this week, because I'm pretty new to Pathfinder even in general, Um, and I found this really neat thread. Um, It's called A Place to Be Happy, and basically it's just a thread of what everybody really loves about Pathfinder 2nd Edition.
3: I love that the first thing that he says in this is, welcome to this thread. He's like... Walking us all into his home while we talk about uh, joyful things. It just makes you want to, like,
2: make a cup of tea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is this just an escape from the negativity on the forums?
3: Yeah, I think so.
1: Oh, yeah, it says it right there. Intended to be a happy place when all the negativity in the other threads has got you down.
0: That is beautiful.
3: So I would like to point out this is an older post. It is from August. uh, And as it's right now, the end of October. Uh, But I really do like this thread. And if if you start reading through it, it really is just a thread of happy.
1: (laughs) Oh, nice. Somebody mentioned the
2: uh, monk forest stance. That's another way to become a tree. (laughs) David, I'm starting to think your lifelong goal is to become a tree. Just for my characters.
3: Are you sure about that?
1: Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> there was some All hesitation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, to me, this post reminds me of Marie Kondo, where she talks about does it spark joy does this thing in pathfinder whatever it is what sparks joy and you'll see as you kind of read down a lot of people are talking about the character creation process not being overwhelming and that that for them is the joyful thing that they're bringing to this so that the thing that makes them happy i appreciate it i think it's great i
2: mean i love character creation like Mm -hmm. if i i would honestly play this if it was only character creation
3: (laughs) yeah there's actually a board game about that i'll have to find the name of it and send it to you you should i would love that Mm -hmm. yeah it's all about building your character I mean, that's where we get our concepts, right? We sit down, we start flipping yeah. through the book. We're like, oh, this looks really cool. Or, oh, I've got this great character idea. And it's nice to be able to put those on t- to the page and to make that be an enjoyable process. Someone said that Pathfinder 2 is a happy medium between... Pathfinder 1, which a lot of people consider a crunchy system or, or really rules-heavy, and then 5th edition, which is not as many options. So Pathfinder 2, this person was saying, is, is a happy medium for them, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, hmm. I can see that.
3: I really like this forum post. I know that in terms of the internet it's uh not gonna get much traction anymore since it's from august uh but i really hope that you guys go out there and when you're having a rough day or you need to kind of remind yourself you know why you really liked or got excited about pathfinder uh you go and read this
2: maybe we should make this post again now that like people have settled into it a little bit
3: Maybe somebody did post. uh, I think the most recent post is from uh, October 24th and it's about the barbarian instinct features. Hmm. (laughs) They say uh, fists of flaming fury. Here I come. (laughs) Gotta love that alliteration. That's great. So let's get into the champion guys.
1: Uh so first let's let's talk about uh sort of how it feels to play a champion or just sort of like w- what is the role that you're trying to play as a champion. Um you know when I think of a champion I think you know I, I think of like some kind of holy knight, holy warrior uh you know big sword and shield, heavy armor that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um obviously it with with the Holy War, you have you know, usually some kind of divine powers granted by your your deity or whatever. Um, but I mean i've I've never played as a champion
3: if we're talking strictly the Pathfinder Two champion, I absolutely did play one for a little bit. I've created a couple of different concepts, and i I do like it. I have also played in Pathfinder One and uh, d d three point five and fifth edition uh, you'll notice i I did skip fourth right there in the middle um <laughs> i I played it for a little bit but not a paladin um so in three point five and fifth edition in Pathfinder one the champion was called the paladin and I played that quite a bit I absolutely hated it
2: oh <laughs> And you I, didn't, like, try to kill your character off?
3: Oh, I mean, I tried. <laughs> for, I had a, <laughs> I had a dwarven paladin, man. She just would not die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand.
2: Dwarves so, are so resilient, though. I know. They really are.
3: rude of them. <laughs> I think for tried me, it always comes down to this idea of a holy, righteous crusader. And I've always struggled with that in terms of playing a paladin. So a lot of people, uh, they don't like rogues in their party. Well, the rogue is always going to steal from me. Or the paladin is, you'll hear a term called lawful stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of my favorite terms, which is that you know, they're they make these dumb decisions because it's the right thing to do. And I just could never get behind that. So when I created my Pathfinder 2 champion, I, and we're going to talk a little bit later about the different options, but the options that I chose were sort of against the grain on that so that I wasn't playing what a lot of people talk about when they when they talk about the champion. This idea of a righteous warrior who will do good no matter what, even if it is a detriment to the rest of the people in their group. And so, for me, the fantasy of playing this holy fighter in terms of Pathfinder two is a little bit different. And again, to me is more palatable than other RPGs that I've played.
0: Well, for me, I take the other side of that coin. Um, I do see paladins or champions as they are now in Pathfinder two to be the righteous warrior holy warrior. Uh, they do seek they do sometimes do some really stupid things mm. to protect the innocent. But usually I in my experience I've I've played a paladin in D D five E and I've played uh, a paladin technically in Pathfinder Playtest, and now I'm gonna be playing a champion in Pathfinder 2. Yeah, Pathfinder too. So, in my experience, you don't typically put your teammates in any worse danger than they would already be putting themselves into. Because mm. a paladin slash champion would not join up with a group that wouldn't probably share similar ideals with them. At least that's my experience. Like with my past group, um, my, my paladin was always looking at, yeah, someone's in danger. Got to go over there and beat up the bad guy, save the day. Oh, but you know what? My teammates might be in trouble from doing this. I look back and the monk (laughs) David uh, was like, yeah, no. What are you doing? Let's go for it. Okay.
1: Let's go guys. You didn't even have to look back most of the time. I just run right past you. I
0: I knew you'd be speeding off ahead of me if I didn't just charge in.
1: I think the only thing that you ever messed up in terms of that is like, you know, a stealth check or something because. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You just kick a door down.
0: No, no. Paladins and champions, they don't stealth. Not usually. Mm -mm. Um, But. I do see them as the protectors. Um, You can make them into the conquest seeking sort of soldiers. The, you know, uh, shoot, I just lost the name of that. Uh, The crusades. You can absolutely play them like that, but they don't have to be played like that. They can be the holy protectors, Uh, the tanks of the party, the healers. They can be that good symbol for the group. That's how I see them.
3: Hmm. Very different take. Yeah. <laughs> which I think leads us right into something we've already touched on a little bit, which is the differences between the two editions. So hmm. if we're if we're talking about that, what's the big one, guys?
0: The name.
3: Yeah. So this was, I, I remember in on being on the forums and people talking about that, about the name change. And there were ab- absolutely some people who didn't like it. I was not one of them. I think it was fantastic. When they originally were introduced in the, playtest, there was also not alignment restrictions. So, currently there are. So, that was quote-unquote reintroduced. Mm -hmm. For Pathfinder 1, there were alignment restrictions. Now, they did come out later with the anti-paladin, which allowed you to be evil. Uh, So, that's not really a change so much. Although there is flexibility now in not just being lawful good. So that's Mm. awesome. The other big sort of changes. To me, the coolest thing is that you can be a dex pally now. So you were just talking about making a stealth check. Mm -hmm. The, The idea that you could be. A sneaky paladin is kind of cool. I I would totally play a sneaky paladin. I didn't, but I should have now that I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Specialize in shield bash and just bash people over the head.
2: I feel like that's not very sneaky.
3: Well, no, 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 you got to sneak up to him first and then bash them over the head. And then
2: very loudly bash them with a shield. Got it. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Almost like a gong.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Musical paladin. <laughs> <laughs> <The> bard dedication. <laughs> That's so Pathfinder 1 does have smite evil and detect evil. So in Pathfinder 2, those have been removed. Uh, You do have Deific Weapon. And then you also have your Causes, which is really cool. Which I'm hoping eventually more are released. I'm sure they will be. That allow you to be a true neutral Paladin. Because I'm going to know what that looks like. This idea of exemplifying... Neither good nor evil, neither lawful or chaotic, but a true neutral fight. What does that mean?
0: Hmm. Apathy.
3: Maybe.
1: Uh, Maybe it's just balance.
3: Hmm. That would be really cool. So I'm excited to see those in upcoming editions. Now I will say, so there is a smite evil uh, that you can take as a feat. It's just not base in the class. Uh, It is a feat that you can take to improve your divine ally, which we're going to talk a little bit later. But I think those are the sort of the core differences. I think of all of the classes on, at, at a surface level, this is the one that has changed the most between first edition and second edition. But when we get down to it, I think the fantasy is still the same. You are this warrior of your deity, of your cause, and you have exemplified it what it means to be whatever your cause drives you to be. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that when it comes down to it, first edition and second edition, second edition is just offering more flexibility of what type of champion you want to be. Which is cool.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Absolutely.
2: So just from listening to this, uh, I don't think I would ever be able to play sort of a a regular champion. Like, I think I would have such a hard time not making my champion be, like, just a pompous, holier-than-thou rule follower. Hmm. And I don't know what that says about me. Uh, Me either.
3: (laughs) Oh, geez. Let me tell you, I've played with those types of paladins.
0: They're not Beth's favorite.
3: They are not. But then again, I like flexibility, right? To me, many times when you are lawful good in the way that it is portrayed – I feel like some of that flexibility is taken from me. I had a friend who once explained paladins in a way that I liked a lot better. So his idea of a lawful, good paladin was his code of honor. So he had the laws and code that he followed. And that wasn't necessarily the standard Or the way that everybody plays it. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of interesting. Uh, He definitely took sort of lawful from his deity versus uh, from like cultural laws or like local laws. He would break laws if he thought his deity would approve of it. Because that's the type of lawful that he was.
2: Yeah. And I think if I were to play a champion, that's the the kind of champion that I would be playing. I guess then it comes down to do you define good as from like a neutral standpoint in sort of society or do you frame it from their own point of view? Like from your character's point of view, they're they're lawful good, they're they're advancing their cause, they're doing, you know, all of the right things for the good of of their faith and for, you know, the rest of society, but what if society doesn't see it that way? That's a very good question. Does that make you lawful evil? So I don't then know. you you know, you couldn't be a champion
3: anymore. It I think it would depend on your deity, right? Because that is literally where you're getting your power from. So if you're deity says what your code is the things that you can and cannot do now once we get into the actual options of a champion there are things that all champions have to do there's the champions code which Mm. is kind of interesting that's like in the rules is this champions code Hmm. uh which is there are tenets Shared between all alignments.
0: And then so alignment that... even add some new tenets to it. Right. Um, it's a set of rules that you have to follow. And if you break some of those tenets, uh, your GM has the right to cut you off from mm-hmm. your deity's tie, your deity's connection. Like, mm-hmm. your deity's just like... Dude, you have been doing horrible things. Uh, I, I no longer want anything to do with you.
3: I will say yeah. it. It currently is the tenants of good. So eventually, mm-hmm. I'm hoping we get the tenants of neutral and the tenants of evil. Right. That'll be pretty interesting. So those those are pretty. Uh, limiting I would say but the number one thing is you would not perform things that were anathema to your deity mm-hmm. so like the best example I have of that is Caden Kalen one of my favorite deities in Pathfinder like period he was a mortal who uh, went through trials and became a deity so that he could get laid <laughs> He's freaking great. He's the god of uh, drinking essentially. Goals. Right? But one of his anathema is owning slaves. Like the moment that you do that, he's like, nah, brah, I don't want anything to do with you now. And if if, uh, so I was actually a paladin of Cain and Kalen, and the idea of owning slaves or even not allowing people to make their own choices was just wrong to me. Like it didn't sit right. I hated it. Mm -hmm. So that is to me as pretty cool. Yeah. So if that's the case, then me breaking into a slaver camp breaking out a bunch of slaves, I don't think it's going to be a problem for me. Even if that is a quote unquote legal thing to do or lawful, excuse me, not legal lawful thing to do. So yeah, he is really one of my favorite deities in Pathfinder. Sounds like a neat deity. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's a funny dude. So since we're talking about my champion, my champion that I played for a little while was a goblin.
2: What? Yeah. Don't so, goblins wh- like they don't naturally associate with religion, do they?
3: Yes and no. Uh definitely not for Kate and Kalen. Uh, Kanan Kalian, uh, goblins traditionally worship uh, Lamashtu, which is an evil deity. She is considered the monster or the mother of monsters because traditionally goblins are, are considered evil, and I wouldn't even say, even then, even with those who Uh, worship Lamashtu, they don't necessarily uh, lend themselves to following a code, right? Uh, But that being said, I think they're a really good fit. If we're talking pure stats, I think they're a good fit Because you get dexterity and charisma. Like just plain out stat wise they're great. The other introduction that I also think is a decent fit we'll say decent is the hobgoblin because they they get constitution. Which as a paladin you're going to want them HPs.
2: And as a goblin and being a small character you don't get a lot of those
3: yeah it's it's true uh, let's see goblins start with eight I think six oof yeah.
1: the hob the hobgoblin gets eight though
3: yeah well because they're considered medium where the goblins are small oh yeah hobgoblins are, are uh, traditionally a little bit bigger Still a goblinoid race, but um, pretty cool. I think in terms of, like, again, just pure mechanics, goblin is going to be better than hobgoblin. Uh, but I, I, I think it's it's fine. Did one of them get charisma? I think goblins get charisma. Dexterity and charisma, yeah. So if you were really wanting to focus on focus spells, huh, see what I did there. Mm. <laughs> uh, Goblin would be actually a, a pretty good uh, fit, and I think any of the heritages would be would be great. What, what? other? What other like heritages do you think? Or uh, ancestries, do you think would be a good fit?
1: Well, I'll, I'll go with my, my usual take that a human can do anything.
3: Uh, yeah. But
2: I hope you can hear me rolling my eyes at you.
3: Oh, thank goodness. I'm glad I'm not the only one.
1: I really can hear that. But, you know, one <laughs> specific thing about this, though, is that I, I feel like the half-orc you know feat that you take as a human like it really it really fits for um the champion type character
3: uh you're talking about the human heritage
1: the half-orc heritage
3: heritage yeah. heritage
1: mm-hmm. yep the half-orc heritage
3: yeah that yeah. i actually really agree with you there because you get two free ability boosts anywhere Right, so half elves and half orcs are going to be pretty, uh, I don't know, flexible. That I, that's mm-hmm. the whole thing with humans, right? Yeah. But I also think that some of the feats that they get, that the half orcs get, are pretty cool too. So I think that it lends itself well to. The type of paladin that is in the nitty-gritty of the fight, if you know what I mean. Right. Definitely uh, starting more fights than, or maybe finishing more fights than starting.
1: I, I can agree with, with both of those. Um, I, I like the angle... From a half orc, um, sort of what it contributes, um, you know, story wise, how to build your character. Because mm-hmm. you know, a, a half orc, it either, you know, it, if they have become a good paladin or a good champion, then you know, either, you know, they've been living amongst humans and sort of been outcast yet still are this good warrior that wants to protect people or Mm -hmm. they had been living with orcs and somehow had, have this like path of redemption Mm storyline that you can work off of. Yeah. There's there's a, there's a lot to work with there.
3: Yeah, I absolutely agree that now I'm building a half work champion in my mind.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I already have one built.
3: Really?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's okay. I'm building a half-orc rogue, so...
3: Ooh. All right, we're not here talking about the rope. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it.
0: No. All right, go on.
3: So when we're talking about a half-orc champion, which of the three types of champions would they be? Because there are more than one type.
1: Yes. See, mine is a redeemer.
3: So, what does the redeemer get that makes it special?
1: So, the redeemer, uh, you know, they all get and they all get an ability to sort of shield uh, an ally from damage. Uh, but the Redeemer gets this added ability to attempt to convince the attacking enemy to stop attacking, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they, I believe they make a save of some kind, Uh, but if they fail it, I think they have to make a choice, essentially. Do they continue to attack or do they stop? And if they continue to attack, they actually take... Like a situational penalty to rolls or something for a round or two. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they, they, you
2: know, they're made to feel bad about their actions. Mm-hmm. So you just want to be passive aggressive and guilt trip people into not fighting? No, I, I picture it more like
1: when, uh, you know, your mom yells at you with like your full name.
3: Oof. <gasps> No.
1: that that is See, that is exactly how I would have played my half-orc Redeemer, is just when, when I do that power, it's like I just yell out this guy's full name, and even if it didn't exist before, it's like, oh my gosh.
0: How did he that's know?
2: My, <laughs> that's my true name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you see, I would have said that a half-orc, I mean, just for what we were talking about earlier, you know, probably was cast out of the people, was an outcast amongst people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say he's probably actually a liberator. Um, because- I love
3: the liberator. <laughs> <Yep>. The chaotic <laughs> good champion is so good.
1: I think that is the most interesting of the three.
3: I 100% agree. Absolutely. But I would it- say it's
0: because he would find um, orcs, like holding up prisoners and to try and at least show that this champion belongs amongst the people, uh, they would go and liberate these slaves from the other orcs. It makes sense to me, at least uh, Mm -hmm. story-wise. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. So the last one, I feel like we have to talk about it. Is the paladin?
0: I mean, I could see a half orc doing a pal, being a paladin. I mean,
3: of course, any any concept is going to work. I mm-hmm. I do like that they took sort of a nod of okay, look, we're renaming this class. There's still a way for you to be a paladin, <laughs> right? Here's your lawful good lawful stupid oh, uh, with your retributive strike uh yeah. <laughs> sure all right the ability to hit somebody after they hit your friends yeah that's great
0: um i mean no actually retributive strike allows you to take damage away from the damage they do to your friends. I and if you you're also have to enough, hit
3: them. Then you're yeah. able to hit them. Yeah. If
0: you're close enough to make a melee strike, then you're able to hit them, sure. Yeah. But the big thing is that it's able to reduce the incoming damage to your ally.
3: That's true. See, that's why I like liberating step. Because step allows them I I love movement abilities. So this mm-hmm. idea of an enemy goes in for a grapple, you know, tackles your ally, and you're like, mm, no, <laughs> and you sort of step in between that. That's pretty cool. So but then, do
0: you take the the grapple? Mm-mm. No,
3: mm-mm. no. Essentially, what you're doing is trying to break that hold. So, narratively speaking, you could say, "All right." I'm next to my ally. This creature goes in for the grapple. I'm going to, as my reaction, hit the back of his arms so that it can't. Uh, so then the ally gets to break, f- uh, gets to attempt to break free of that grapple. And then if they can, or if they do escape, they can actually move. So they get to f- step as a free action. So the step action is a what used to be called a five-foot step. It is a five-foot movement to get away. And the whole advantage of it is it doesn't provoke attack of opportunities uh, for those who have that t- type of reaction. I think it, it just doesn't provoke reactions or something. That's great. Yeah, it, it's super great to be able to all of a sudden get grabbed and then your liberator is right next to you Beats the guy And is like <laughs> no, huh? No soup for you. Soup being your allies in this case.
2: <laughs> I don't, oh. No allies for you.
3: Yeah.
0: No allies, soup for you.
3: I'm not sure that that worked as well as I thought it would, no. <laughs> but you guys get the idea. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I like it. I like that they have these three mini classes. That's not really what they are, but you get the idea. These little mini classes within one class. So every champion has a flair that makes them a little bit different. That's cool. It's unique. And I can't wait for... I can't wait for more of them to come out.
1: Yeah, I agree. After you said that, I'm really anxious for how 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 they even take the neutral mm-hmm. side of this.
3: Mhm. I agree. Also, what if they went the route of so a lot of times we think of it as good Neutral, evil, right? But what if they took it the other way? You know, if you you have the nine squares, what if they took it lawful, neutral, chaotic? So what are the tenets of chaos? I don't know. I'm really excited to see uh, where we take that and what that looks like for a champion. A champion of a deity of chaos...
2: I would like to say that you said, what are the tenets of chaos? And just a picture of a goat popped into my head. <laughs> Why?
3: Have you met a goat? Goats are so chaotic.
0: They're yeah, pure Goats, chaotic.
3: they're special creatures. I'm not actually a fan of goats. They're very tasty. I mean, also that. <laughs> <laughs> It's all the
2: chaos.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Chaos makes really good goat. I was going to
0: say, it makes really good goat burgers.
3: Dude, goat (laughs) burgers? I don't think that's how people eat goat.
2: That is, I have never heard anybody eat a goat burger.
3: I'm not sure that's <laughs> not the eat That's how you again. eat goat. That's no. Nope, you're doing... No. <laughs> we need to take you to a nice Indian restaurant and you need to uh, never think of goat <laughs> nope. burgers again.
2: Chad's banned for eating goat burgers.
3: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh, <laughs> Back on topic. We did kind of already mention this, but the fact that a paladin's code is part of their core rules is, is interesting. Uh, I it think makes it
0: difficult to like technically play the character, but role oh. wise, it's really interesting.
3: See, I think it gives you more role playing opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean.
3: Oh, I see. Technically, I
0: technically like playing and then be like, Oh, well, okay, I now have to go attack this super dark evil guy, but that means, you know, putting my team in danger, like you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. The technicality part of it is difficult, but mm-hmm. the roleplay wise, super fun.
3: Yeah, no. I, the focus on roleplaying in second edition is Chef Kiss. <laughs> so. What else we got that makes paladins special?
1: Uh, well, you've got you know when you with your deity, they, they have their favorite weapon, and I believe this is something that's specific for paladins. Mm-hmm. Is that if it's if it's a simple weapon, then you get to increase the damage, of, uh damage die I think by a step. Oh, that's mm. cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very situational, mm -hmm. Um, and you know, right now the list of deities it it just it doesn't give you a whole lot of options, but that that, they'll come out with more.
3: So I know when I built my paladin, I didn't take that route for uh, narrative reasons. I wanted to be, in my mind, the perfect goblin. So, like, goblin was a major part of my identity as that character. So, I didn't wield my deity's favorite weapon. I wielded a a dog slicer because I was a goblin. And that's what you do.
0: It's just what you do.
3: Exactly. I had a, a dog slicer and a horse chopper. Ooh, both. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I also had a shield. And so if I had my shield out, uh, it, that's another thing that I really do like is a little bit of flexibility. I think fighters have a very similar flexibility. You know, in some fights, I would have this shield and dog slicer wielded one ha- handed. And then other times, actually, a lot of the time, I would have out my horse dropper, which is a two handed pole arm. So pretty cool. So here is something I didn't mention in the pathfinder one versus pathfinder two. And I should have in pathfinder two, or excuse me, pathfinder one paladins were casters. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Pathfinder two. They're kind of casters, right? They have focus spells, My issue right now is that I don't think that there are very many focus spells, and to me, they're a little lackluster.
0: I'd agree with that. Um, I I feel like what they're trying to do is put more of a a differentiation between clerics and uh, champions. Mm -hmm. Clerics have a lot more spells and I believe even more focus spells Mm -hmm. and champions just get a handful of focus spells and they're like low tier ones generally speaking
3: so we have lay on hands which you know being able to heal is always great it's not Mm -hmm. a lot but it is great so that's your first level and then you get litany against wrath which allows you to essentially debuff your target uh, where they take penalties for attacking good creatures. And then uh, from there, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't spark joy.
0: No, I I will mention that um, there are feats that will allow you to take new Uh, Focus spells from your deity's domain.
3: Ah, yes.
0: And I pulled from Shailen's protection domain, uh, a spell that allows me to essentially share damage that somebody takes. So if they take a really hard hit, I can split that damage with them so that they don't hopefully go unconscious or something like that.
3: Yeah, that is really cool.
0: That's really cool. And that's, uh, but that's also like, holy cow, I'm going to take a lot of damage with this. Yeah. But that's what we do.
3: There are a couple of feats that I thought were really cool. So for me, the level 18 feet celestial form, like, oh, You want to become a giant angel? Here you go. That's pretty cool. (laughs) But also, I mean, at that point, you're level 18, and so it better be good. (laughs) Still, the idea of turning into a Celestial Archon is always great.
2: Uh, I mean, it's always going to be amazing.
3: yeah, Yeah, definitely. You're a holy dog. It's great.
2: Uh all dogs are holy?
3: Yeah. It's true. All
2: dogs go to heaven.
3: It's because they're all very holy.
0: They're all angels.
3: Um, I'm not sure if that's the case. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I I will go on record and say I love my dog. He can be a jerk. Oh. <laughs>
0: Uh. Um, I will say another (laughs) kind of weird uh, feat for the champion would be Celestial Mount. It is an upgrade to one of the champion's features,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, but it makes it so that your divine steed now essentially gets angel wings and it can speak celestial
3: so th- that means both you and your mount can fly because right. like it can fly with you on it that's Bingo. that's not bad mm-hmm. what, what level do you get that at
0: uh, that's a level 20 <laughs> oh <okay. laughs> so good well, luck talking to angels until then
3: yeah yeah all right that's a little <laughs> lackluster when do you get the divine ally
0: Uh, Divine ally, I believe, was level three.
3: Okay. So that's where, so your divine ally, you can actually get to choose.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. You
0: choose between a weapon spirit, a shield spirit, or a steed spirit.
3: So in that case, which what you were just talking, the feat, would be if you had chosen the steed.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Which those are—that's actually a really interesting feature. I like it a lot. It lets you really customize like how you want your character to feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the weapon one, you get to choose different uh, effects that your sword will have. Your weapon will have each day. Um, With the shield one, I believe it uh, makes the shield more durable. Uh, And then, of course, the steed one, you get to basically just poof materialize yourself a steed. That is cool. Mm -hmm.
3: So the last thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of the champion would be the dedication. So let's say I'm another class, like a cleric, maybe, or a fighter, but I decide that I want to multi-class into champion uh you can do that at second level uh, by taking the champion dedication and it does give you some cool stuff i think in terms of dedications the champion one is a little again uh, the thing i keep coming back to is a little lackluster so Mm -hmm. you get all of the drawbacks, right? You have to... You're bound by your cause. You're bound by the champion's code. You're bound by your deities anathema, And you get light and medium, heavy armor proficiency. You get religion and another skill uh, that's up to whatever deity you have. And you get the Champion Class DC. Like, to me, I just don't know if that's enough. Now, obviously, taking the Champion Dedication opens up other feats that allow you to get like Divine Ally at level 6. Basic Devotion, which gives you a feat. Like, other things, it opens them up. But in terms of a champion dedication, I just don't see myself doing it. I don't see myself multi-classing into champion. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. Because you don't even get the uh, champion's reaction unless you take another feat. And that's a 6th level feat.
3: So now you're already two feats in just to get a reaction. Yeah. I And, like... I just think that there would be better feats out there. Now, that being said, I'm sure that there are some really cool concepts that would be awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling anybody that they shouldn't do this. It's just for me, I don't think it's worth it. I'd agree
1: with that. I mean, it gets you trained in all armors. That's, I mean, as far as just a feat goes, that's not bad.
3: Yeah, but I also have to be a holy warrior and follow my deity's code.
0: Aren't yeah. fighters also proficient in all armors?
3: Sure, So, but, but not all the classes are. Like, you're say you're a wizard. Them. If you're a wizard and you want to take a champion dedication... I mean that's a multi class yeah. right there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I you know, my my wizard could be a champion of Nethys.
3: That would be interesting. I kinda wanna see that actually now.
1: All right.
0: There's good role play options with it. But Definitely. if what you're looking for is proficiency in all armor, then I'm saying you could go fighter instead of champion. Because yeah. You yep. don't get the shackles that That's the true. champion does.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it would be more of an exercise in role playing and sort mm-hmm. of creativity on mm-hmm. how you can like get maybe like get around all of the rules that you have imposed by being a champion. Right.
3: So I know that we talked a little bit earlier about Caden Kalian his edicts are drink free slaves and aid the oppressed like who can get behind that right it's great a plus right his anathema is waste alcohol be Same. mean like you cannot be mean when you're drunk and again own a slave Those are his anathema. He's really cool. If you ever get a chance, maybe one day we'll do a deep dive on his background. Because I know I made it kind of uh, simplistic of like he wanted to uh, get laid. That's only one of the sort of quote-unquote rumors. There were a lot of possible reasons he went and did it. And he still did it. Like He still went through these trials. Anyway, this is totally off topic go Mm -hmm. read everything about him he's amazing Uh, you did mention Nethis if you chose Nethis uh, that would be seek out magical power and use it
1: yeah wizard definitely
2: (laughs) (laughs) seems good for a wizard
3: and then your anathema is pursue mundane paths over magical ones so this is like you want to light a candle buddy you're going to use magic to do it. Fireball. Yes.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, that's I hadn't thought of it that way, but Yeah, I'm I'm on board now. Oh jeez.
0: David's next character. <laughs>
2: Imagine playing a wizard where you have to use the highest level spell for anything that you want to do.
3: Oh, no. Dude, by the end of the day, though, you're going to have only cantrips. Oh, yeah. you're going to be
2: burned out so quickly.
3: Right? <laughs> oh, man.
1: Uh, sorry, guys. I don't have any fire cantrips prepared, but I do have a seventh level fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody stand back. <laughs> <laughs> or get
0: a little oh, closer and no.
1: really watch the magic happen.
3: Oh, no. <laughs> this is terrible. Something horrible has happened.
2: <laughs> I'm going to think about this for when we do wizards.
3: Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. Definitely. Well, anything else we want to say about the champion?
0: Um, they're the best known party poopers. That's all I got.
3: No, (laughs) I mean, yes, probably. Yeah.
2: I would like to say that I'm still thinking about David's and I've, I've now created, I've now thought of David's character who, you know, scolds people into being better as like this half orc, but it's like a grandma. She's like Mm, at least 60, you know, like, It's still, like, super buff, still in fighting condition, but, Mm -hmm. like... Oh, she's got, like, the... She's got the mom yell down.
3: Heck yes. (laughs) And now I'm terrified of that champion.
0: Okay.
1: See, but now, for that character, I've got to work out my grandma voice.
3: Yeah, you definitely do.
2: But if you're using it for scolding...
3: Oof. Now I want to see a, a a spell called scold. I just want to see what that looks like. <laughs> Paladins, liberators and redeemers. That's not bad. I like <laughs> it. What else we got on the agenda today?
1: Well, um, I think we wanted to end with uh, another small topic. Uh, We wanted to offer just, you know, some tips for introducing new players to the game. Um, Does anybody have anything to add to that?
3: Oh, I definitely do.
2: I mean, it's me.
3: I'm a new player. <laughs> it's true. That is true. I know this is putting you on the spot a little bit, but what is your role-playing history?
2: So, I have a lot of friends who play a lot of role-playing games. Um, so, like, I've always kind of been around them. Um, and then, currently, I'm also playing Gloomhaven, and that doesn't have a lot of role-playing in it. Um like where you get to sort of like do a lot of character interaction. That's mostly sort of just fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I was a, I was a thespian, so (laughs) I know how to be dramatic. (laughs) Um, but I, I think my biggest thing about being new to Pathfinder is just to be patient with yourself. um, Because there's so much information. Like, you know, you could spend years down the rabbit hole of literally any aspect of this game. So, uh, you know, I certainly don't know everything or even most things. Um, And that's why it's important to ask questions.
3: Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. And, you know,
2: hopefully your DM is friendly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would hope so. For me, it, uh, when I'm introducing new players, I find that it can be very easy to overwhelm them sometimes. Because there's so much, right? You have a whole new system with a whole set of rules. You're trying to build characters. One of the things that I love most about Pathfinder, though, is the world of Galarian and the all of the lore that comes along with that. Even in this episode, you know, we've mentioned a lot of the lore that technically isn't part of the rules per se, so much as it's the setting. And so you don't want to overwhelm people with it because it can be a lot. of history you know uh you don't you don't want that so for me giving little tidbits at a time you know talk to your players find out what sort of character concept they have and then say oh there's something in the lore that might fit well with that you know you have somebody who's building a wizard well you know if you're looking for a deity there's a couple that might fit you know and Talk a little bit about Nethys, uh, talk a little bit about Arori, uh, some of the others. You know, little tidbits at a time. You don't want to overwhelm The other thing I would have is take your background and sort of use that to your advantage. So if when you're creating your character, you've chosen the background of uh, Blacksmith... Well, then you could say, uh, you know, here's a deity that might uh, fit with that, which would uh, I would probably say, Torag uh, would be a good one, who mm-hmm. is uh, a dwarven deity, but uh, other other people obviously can can worship him as well. The other thing you can do with backgrounds is if you're running a adventure path the backgrounds that come with the player's guide typically have little tidbits of lore. So I've talked a lot about tidbits of lore, but you also don't wanna go too much over on rules too. So yeah, just small digestible bits.
2: And just to sort of jump in again, um, don't be afraid to revisit things. Because like, I certainly know that I've read some stuff. And I've just been like, huh, what? And then I'll like go read a bunch of other stuff. like Talk to some people. And then mm-hmm. I'll come back and read it again. I'll be like, oh, okay, this makes way more sense now.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
3: Even for people who have played the game for a while. Which, in terms of Pathfinder or 2nd Edition. It's only been out a few months. We're all at least on a little bit of level playing
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, my bit of tip would be um, just keep an open mind when it comes to your players having really silly ideas. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know we've had a few of them. Uh, let's see, uh, there would there I can think of doing a fastball special off of a goblin shield. <laughs> and then a druid wanting to do a butt bump to help boost them further.
3: Yeah, that's uh, a thing that could... That was
0: a really happen. silly idea. Uh, how about three goblins in a trench coat? Uh, yes. And, of course, there's the other, you know, trying to fiddle around with the rules of a feature or feet these can be difficult to get around uh, if you want to stick purely to the rules. But if these are new players, I suggest bending the rules just a little bit so that they can have more fun. Because if they have more fun with it, they're more likely to go off running and like really want to learn this game so that they can learn more ways to have fun and want to be more
1: involved with the group.
3: Yeah, I can understand yep. that.
1: Yeah. Uh, my little bit uh, sort of goes along with what Chad was touching at the end there. Um, is like if, if you don't... Like, if, as a player, you don't know the mechanics well enough, um, just try to start your turn by explaining what you want to do very plainly. You say, I, I want to run up to this enemy and hit them with my weapon." And, you know, someone will say, okay, well, they're this far away, so you can take one or two strides, and then you do a strike. Or if it's going to be a little more uh, complicated, you know, okay, you have to climb onto this table or make a jump over some kind of a thing, whatever. You know, just try to get your idea across, and then someone else who knows the rules better will tell you how to do it within the actions that you have. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, then, you know, they'll tell you, you can't Mm -hmm. figure another way around it.
3: It's all about collaboration, right? We're all at the table, creating a story together. So, you know, the GM isn't, isn't supposed to be opposed to you. They're supposed to help you. And sometimes that's, Explaining what you could do or giving you other ideas that might work.
1: Yep, totally agree.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that's it, guys.
1: Yeah. So, Chad, you want to take us out?
0: Well, I would love to. Oh my gosh. All right, guys, this has been our first deep dive of Dice Don't Die. I would like to thank Paizu, of course, for creating Pathfinder. And I would definitely like to thank all of our fans for listening. Uh, Guys, it's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, I hope you all try out a champion sometime. They're a great bit of fun. A little bit of an annoyance at times, but a lot of fun. And uh, I think we'll leave it right there, guys. So thanks for listening. And remember, dice don't die.
3: But player characters do.
0: Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at Dice don't Die pod at gmail.com The intro and outro song, Crunk Knight, were created by Kevin MacLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.